Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Elmwood Baptist Church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church in Brighton, Colorado. We are so blessed to have you join us today. As we open God's word, I pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened. Our desire is for the world to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for Christians to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus and to serve God with their whole life. May God bless you richly as you listen today. First Corinthians chapter 13. I've simply entitled my message this morning, The Greatest of These is Love. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And beginning in verse number 1, please follow along as I read this chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of all of prophecy and all and understanding and all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as, I, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we love you and thank you for this service so far. And now, Lord, we ask that God, you would please do what only you can do and speak to our hearts through your wonderful word. We give you the praise and glory and honor for it all now. In Jesus' name. Amen. We live in one of the most uncivil times that I can remember in my lifetime. I remember in the 70s how that uh, there was a lot of turmoil over the Vietnam War and the great 
hippie movement of which I was a part. And, uh, and there was a lot of unrest then, but nothing compared really to the civil unrest that we have today. Our nation is so divided. And if there's anything that's lacking, may I say it to you this morning? Love is lacking. Real love is lacking. I'm afraid that I might have to say that even amongst the Christian community, that love is lacking. And I I believe that is a real detriment to the church, of course. And I believe that's one of the reasons why churches are not prospering and, and flourishing as they should. A real lack of charity, as the Bible calls it. And, uh, and we have to do something about that. We have to allow God to use his word to surgically change us. There may be indeed things that we don't agree with, and surely there is. And there may be things that, that uh, we'd like to give our two cents to. And sometimes you understand, don't you, that our two cents is worth about that too. Two cents. What we need to have is we need to have a good dose of Christ-like love. The special this morning. I had no idea what the Bowmans were going to play for us this morning. It was all about love, wasn't it? We've heard mess- we've heard songs today about the love of God. I remember my testimony of getting saved. I couldn't believe it the morning that I trusted Christ, that God could love somebody like Gary Randall, and that Jesus Christ would die for him. Oh, my. It had a profound effect on me. You see, I saw it for what it was. It was the precious word of God. And I didn't doubt it that day. And I accepted him as my savior, and he's been so faithful to me. I'm ashamed to stand here and tell you, as the pastor of this wonderful church, how many times I have failed the Lord. And yet he's not failed me one time. Not one single time. And not only has he provided for Betty and I over these years, he has gone way over providing. But see, that's because of his great love. His great love. You see, it takes something special to have that love. May I say to you today, you can't possibly attain chapter 13 until you're saved. You can't possibly, you can't possibly attain to the values of charity until you have the Holy Spirit of God working inside of you. And if you're saved this morning, then that love should be evident to everybody around you. That love should be on display. Your neighbors ought to see it. Of course your family should see it and feel it. It should be a daily part of your life. I want you to keep in mind as we come to this chapter that Paul has just now dealt with spiritual gifts within the church that were legitimate gifts. But keep in mind, keep in mind that now he's not emphasizing the gifts because he's saying gifts without the grace of God 
Without the true love of God inside of a person, those gifts are worthless. The fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5, that is more important in your Christian life and my Christian life than all the miraculous gifts that we could ever have of the Spirit of God. What we need to understand is that first and foremost, love is necessary. Love is absolutely necessary. Look with me again at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, <clears throat> and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Nothing. You see, God is trying the motives of his children. It's easy to give Christianity lip service. It's easy once you learn the Christian lingo to be able to talk and fool everybody about your relationship with the Lord, possibly. But God's not fooled. God's not fooled. He knows the genuine from the false. And what God is saying is, very simply, listen, you can talk all you want. You can, you can hold yourself up in high esteem if you'd like and say, I have done this and I have done that. But God is saying, listen, if the motive behind what it is that you're doing is not charity, which is, by the way, love that shows itself. It's love in action. It's nice to hear the words, I love you. But I love you can become empty after a while when it is not backed up with something. That's what charity is. And God's saying that, listen, Christian, what we do, our motives are on trial. Uh, let me say to you, I'm glad you're here in church this morning. But if you're here because of duty, you're here for the wrong reason. If what drove you here was not love for Christ, then you're here for the wrong reason altogether. I'm glad you're here, but I want you to I want to tell you this morning, as though I'm glad you're here, your motives are wrong. Your motives are wrong. And so that's what God is trying here. It's not just simply an emotion. Ladies and gentlemen, love in action is a decision. It's a decision that a person makes. Charity makes us think about. Well, we're going to gather up a bag or two of clothes and we'll hustle them down to the Goodwill charity store. That's not what it's about at all. Well, there could be love involved in that, no doubt. But more likely, it's, it's uh, I just need to get this junk out of my house. Charity is much more than that. The word for 
the word charity in the English language, the Greek word for that is agape. That is the love that God had for us. That is the love that, that God had for this world when he gave his son up. That's the love that God loved you and I with. By the way, that's the love that Jesus Christ also possessed. Drove him to the cross. It was love that nailed him to the cross. It was love. Christ-like love is his love that is pure. It, it is not, and we're going to see this, it is not a number of things that honestly do creep into our life, don't they? We see in verse number one, tongues apart from love is a bunch of noise. Again, though I speak with the tongues of men, okay? So here's somebody who can, who can speak multiple foreign languages. Because tongues, tongues is, is a, a, a different language. In this particular verse, if I spoke with the tongues of men and of angels, some kind of angelic language. Oh my, I believe everybody be around me would be impressed, wouldn't they? Why, I could get myself spiritually lifted up, couldn't I? Why, I could, I could possibly be far more spiritual than anybody else in this room. But you know, that's not what the Word of God says. It says, if all that I was engaged in, and I have not the love of God, charity, charity, love that demonstrates itself, not just words, but deeds. If I don't have that, I'm become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I mean, somebody's walking around and banging the cymbals. Boom, boom, boom. Got everybody's attention. But what good is it all? What good did it do to anybody? It did nothing. In verse 2, he says... <clears throat> and though I have the gift of prophecy, <laughs> he says, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Imagine. Imagine somebody who would have the ability to be able to point out here to this rocky mountain range out here and command that that mountain out there, whatever mountain, it doesn't matter, command a mountain to be uprooted and cast into the Pacific Ocean. If we had the faith, that could happen. But without the love, that will never happen. And that's why God said, listen, there's something more important than the gift of tongues. There's something more important than the gift of prophecy. Paul hinted to it in verse 31 of chapter 12. Look at it. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. You see, beloved, Paul's not minimizing the gifts that had been given. He's simply saying that they have absolutely no good to affect an individual. They have no good to make a church what a church ought to be unless there is love in action in the life of that Christian exercised 
and on display for all to see. Verse 3 says, and this is probably the greatest of these two. <clears throat> and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So here's an individual who goes to the bank, withdraws every dime they have, goes down and, and, and buys all the food that their money could buy. I mean, they've got nothing left. They've, they've bestowed all of their goods. And they give it to the poor. And then if that wasn't enough, I'll allow myself to be martyred for the cause. God said, even if you were tied to a stake, and even if you were, were burned because you were simply a Christian, if you had not Christ's love emanating from you, Everything that you did was for nothing. You read the stories in Fox's Book of Martyrs of Christians who actually did have their bodies burned. Some remarkable testimonies came from the fire. Remarkable testimonies of love. How that the accusers were prayed for and the last prayer of the Christian before the fames, flames consumed him or her was praying for the people who were executing them. We see it in Acts 7 when the very first Christian martyr of the New Testament, the very first Christian martyr, Stephen, he was a faithful deacon. He was a preacher. He got to preach one message. It was so convicting that the, that the religious crowd ran upon him. The Bible says that they gnashed on him with their teeth. I'll tell you, I, I've had a few uh, skirmishes in my life. I can't remember ever biting anybody. I can't remember being bit. These people were mad. They were like mad dogs. And uh, what did Stephen do? As they picked up stones, we think of, oh, they picked up you know, some gravel and they started throwing it at him. No, they picked up stones. They were stoning him. They picked up stones. They began to stone him. And his prayer was, God, forgive them. Forgive them. He had a good example, didn't he? His Savior said the same thing from the cross. He asked God to forgive them. And then wonderfully, he didn't see the stones crashing down upon him. What he did see was the Son of God standing by the throne, welcoming him into glory. That gives me goosebumps. Why? Because when Jesus went and ascended back to glory, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But when Stephen was coming into heaven, Jesus stood up and welcomed him into heaven. That gives me goosebumps. Oh, I tell you what, that, 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 that gets your attention right there. Love is the measure of all things 
You can, you can sacrifice. You can do whatever you want to do, beloved. But if your love is not right, then everything you do is not right. Sadly, the Corinthians were exalting their spiritual gifts and their offices, and their attitude became one of competition, not love. That's why the Corinthian church was divided. The situation was no good. I've already, I've already preached through the book of First and Second Corinthians. We learned in that study that there were people who thought themselves better than the others. That cannot exist in church. There cannot be cliques in churches. There can only be Christ-like love or that church doesn't have any business being in business. Preaching without love is just a bunch of worthless noise. Praying without love I'm talking about charity here. I'm talking about love that, that, that shows itself. Praying without that love becomes an empty speech. That's why many, many Christians pray for lost friends and loved ones. What they first need to do is, God, give me a burden for them. When was the last time that we shed tears over somebody that was lost? When was the last time that the damnation of hell became so real to us that we couldn't stand the thought of a relative or a friend, co-worker or neighbor going to that place? When was the last time we got a hold of God and said, God, break my heart. Break my heart. Break my heart. Bring a real love, a real Christ-like love for the person that I'm praying for. You see, beloved, we need to pray for ourselves before we start praying for somebody else. We need to make sure our love is right. Why are you praying for that person to get right when quite possibly you're not right? We need to ask God to do something in us. Why? Because love is absolutely necessary. Number two, love is powerful. Love is the most powerful thing out there. I mean, anything can be overcome with the right love. Look at verse four and following. Charity suffereth long. We'll look at this. The qualities of love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. You get the picture, don't you? Love is patient. I've failed in this many times. Have you? Love is patient. Love is, is, is kind. Love rises above the petty junk that goes on in this life. It, it's generous in the way that it treats people. You see, because it's thinking of others before they think of themselves. It's easy to love when people are lovable. Let's practice verse 4 when they're difficult to love. 
Let's practice verse 4. When they injure us, when they hurt our feelings, when they attack us, then let's see. Is verse 4 in my life? I become hurt by somebody. Something somebody did or something somebody said. I've become the victim of something. And now I'm going to have my, my singular pity party. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, be justified because after all, don't you see what happened to me? Don't you see, don't you see this wrong that was done? I'll tell you, God can see that. Let me tell you what else God can see. He can see your reaction to it. And if your reaction isn't verse number four, then your reaction is just as wrong as the wrong that happened to you. Love, it goes in verse four, not only is it patient and kind, love isn't jealous. Charity envieth not. Jesus Christ was accused of blasphemy and sentenced to death. And the Bible says, because of envy. Envy's a damnable thing. Envy will destroy a person. We need to get our eyes on the Lord and get them off of those things that cause us to envy. Oh, did you see so-and-so's vehicle? Oh, did you see the dress that she wore? Oh, did you see how he looked? Oh, 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 did you see their house? Envy. Envy's destructive. We try to play it down, don't we? But God can see. God's not blind. Love, real love, isn't jealous. Real love would be happy for somebody to have something nice. Real love praises God for them. Envy is terrible. Envy is what got Abel killed. Envy has been killing people ever since. Again in verse 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. And then we have charity. Vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Boy, that, that doesn't even need a definition, does it? Love, this kind of love that God wants us to have is not an arrogant thing. It doesn't boast on itself. If you've got to walk around and tell people how much you love, you aren't loving. You know, listen, if, if we have the right kind of love, people will say to themselves, there's something different about that Christian. You're not going to have to walk around with a sign that says, look at me. Because they're going to know there's something different. There's something different about you, Christian. 
another Christian saying that. You've heard me say often, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You know, we battle in this sinful flesh, this sinful body of flesh. We're constantly under the, under the assault of temptation and fleshly desire. But we have to make decisions in our life. And here we have, here we have 1 Corinthians 13 telling us, listen, this is what we need to have in our life. And it's attainable. Because if God commanded us to have it, and it was unattainable, then God would be evil. No. I said it a few moments ago. Everything I've preached up to this very moment is a choice. We can choose to be different. We can go to God and we can say, God, I want to be different than I am. I want to look at things differently. I want to look through the, I want to look through the eyes of your love. I want to see the value of a soul. I want to have charity. Puffed up. It's not arrogant. It's not puffed up. Puffed up refers to the inward feelings. And vaunteth itself refers to what demonstrates. Person gets puffed up on the inside, really thinking they're something. And then what comes out on the outside is just pure arrogance. Just pure arrogance. I'm sorry to say, I listen, I'm glad Donald Trump is president and not Hillary Clinton. I'll just tell you that right now, right up front. But I'll tell you something, he needs a good dose of this message. Because right here is a picture of the president of the United States. Boastful, arrogant, proud, puffed up. Just imagine what God could do in America if we had a leader that followed God. Now please understand, you're here and you're a dyed, you're, you're dipped in Republican red. And right now you're having a tough time loving me like, like, like you know you're supposed to. Let me say to you right now, let me say to you right now, politics is politics. What we're talking about right here is the attitude of your heart. Let me tell you what's wrong with our day. What's wrong with our day is that we cannot disagree and be civil. We have to be, we have to be uh, puffed up and, and arrogant and we have to hate and we have to fight. And if anybody dares disagree with us, if anybody dares disagree with us, Pastor, I've been in the ministry a few years and you trained me. One thing that I have noticed in these last year, these last decade of years, is how easy it is for Christians to just give up their church family. 
Oh, she looked at me wrong. She said something I didn't like. Oh, I didn't like pastor's message. I'm out of here. You know what you need? You need to, you need to get this message. Not because I'm preaching it. You need to go home and immerse yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and don't get out of 1 Corinthians 13 until you got it. It's so sad. The attitudes and arrogance and hostility of people today and yes, even Christians. No wonder our world's going to hell in a handbasket. No wonder the, the, the church is so weak it can't have any influence in the community. There was a day when there was nothing happened in town without that, what's going on at the church. Oh, those days are gone. Why? Because, so, listen to me, listen to me. There, most of the churches that exist today are not a paper width's distance from the world. It's people who said, you know what? I can't go to a bar and listen to a rock band anymore. But I can go to, a, I can go to one of these emergent churches, which, by the way, they're always going to be huge. But I can go to, I can go to that emergent church and... I can listen to Johnny Spandex and the rubber bands play the latest Christian rock song. And then I can go to my new Sunday school class on how to brew beer. And you think I'm making it up. And I am not making it up. Those are Sunday school classes in churches that are right here in Colorado. And we wonder why the church has no influence in the community anymore. Do you think that your lost neighbor can draw a distinction between churches? Lost people, when they think church, everybody goes in the same basket. When we're out here, by the way, and when we're in here, we ought to be exhibiting Christ-like love. Verse number five, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh, oh, here it is, thinketh no evil. As a man, Proverbs 27 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinketh no evil. What's God saying? Listen, Christ-like love, this love in action is not rude. It's not rude. It's not selfish. It, it seeks the good of others. Why? And how can you tell? Because it's not about them. It's always about someone else. You see, you can see that displayed in Christ's life, can't you? It was always about what Christ could do for someone else. He embodied the very characteristics that I'm preaching this morning. Are we going to be perfect? 
I'm not preaching perfection. But we got a long ways to go to get up to good. And that's what we need to strive for, isn't it? We need to strive for this. Verse number five says, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Are you somebody that you just get angry at the drop of a hat? I mean, just the slightest thing just sets you off. Brother, uh, Brother Cooper, Friday night, he was, he was telling on his wife a little bit. Well, maybe more than a little bit. And he was having fun. But he said, he said when God impressed on him, how he got saved, and uh, he's only been saved for 14 years. And he's a national evangelist. I mean, he is book solid, just like Paul Schwanke. And, uh, and he was saying, you know, God, God put on my heart to preach. And, uh, and, and so, so he went and sold their house. He said, my wife was ticked off. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody older in the ministry could have got him off the side and said, you know, listen, it might be a, Mike, Mike, could, Mike could divert this ticked off if you would have just talked to her and prayed with her. Are you someone that's easily aggravated? Easily to, easily to give somebody your two cents? Are you thinking evil things? Something happened? As I said before, something happened to you. Somebody hurt your feelings. Or something happened to you. And now your thoughts are consumed with it. Now you think evil. But some, let, let me tell you, Christian, that's not Christ-like love. Let's endeavor for something greater. Let's give God over our, our anger. Let's give God... Listen, anger does more harm than anything that there is out there. Let's give God our anger. Let's confess that we have it. Let's confess we have a problem with it. Let's give God that anger. Christian love, understand verse 5. Christian love doesn't keep records. It doesn't dwell on the evil things. Listen, there's something wrong with you. When you get into, a, when, when you get into maybe a, a little argument with your loved one or someone else, and you start bringing up the past, well, in 1986, you did. Let me tell you who's wrong. You are. There's something wrong with somebody who had. Listen, it's not great mental uh, 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 promise or mental skill for you to be able to remember every rotten thing that ever happened. Man, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I'm at a real deficit. I've got a wonderful wife. 
Boy, I tell you what, she's got a pretty good memory. Now, listen closely to what I'm saying. <laughs> Betty doesn't go, Betty doesn't go to me. Well, you know, in 74, no, she doesn't do that, but she can remember 74. You know, I, I wasn't the greatest husband. And I, I'll tell you right now, I got, there's a lot of room for improvement. But you know something? As much as Betty would have every right to maybe say, well, you know what? You need to work on this. She never, she never puts it in my face. Why? Because she loves me. Because her love for me is greater than the hurt that she felt. Aren't you glad that Christ on the cross didn't say, you know what, this is too much. I'm, I'm coming off this cross. Aren't you, aren't you glad he didn't do that? Huh? We get heaven. We get heaven. Because our Savior did not dwell on those that wronged him. Now, Christian, we need to wake up to this thing. We had too many Christians walking around with grudges. Walking around with their with memories of the past. Listen, you'll not forget them. I'm not going to forget my things that I can remember as well. You know what? We just don't need to dwell on them. And we need to ask God to move us on. Love gives victory. It gives us victory. There's no question about it. It rejoiceth, verse 6, in, not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It rejoices in the truth. And if we had the right kind of love for our kids, we'd never put them in public school. You say, oh, pastor, that stings. It should sting. You believe in evolution? You believe that some teacher should stand up front and teach a science class that has absolutely nothing to do with truth? You think, you think that somehow man came from some amoeba that was uh, in some kind of pond water and and got struck by lightning, and all of a sudden out came a man in a three-piece suit and became, a, became a, a professor at Colorado State University. Say, Pastor, you're dumping the whole truckload on us. I am, because you know something? Real love rejoices in the truth, not rejoices in sin. It doesn't rejoice in sin. It doesn't make excuses for sin. It doesn't say that's okay. Because it's not okay. Some of you, some of you need to revisit the scriptures. Now why am I why am I on this? I'll tell you why. Because that this love is absent in many Christian lives. Preachers wonder why they don't have any power to preach. Well, they're too busy uh, tiptoeing through the tithers. 
They're too busy worrying about what the deacons might think. By the way, we got great deacons, but not one of them tampers with anything that I preach. And if they do, they get reproved for it. By the way, that's never happened. Why? Because they're men of God. I'm telling you the truth this morning. If we had love like we should have in our families, it would change our families. I'd want to have my child to not be lied to daily. I'd want my child to receive the truth. I'd like my child to grow up with the truth. I'd like my child to not be influenced in an evil way and then they're 18, 20 years old and want nothing to do with me. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Listen, the, 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 the crowd out there that wants to have it their way, they're the scorners. I want truth. I want truth. I heard a preacher stand up in this on this platform and preached out the word of God Friday night and I'm telling you I have never I have never seen as many young people young people from all over the state of Colorado and young people I mean this whole thing you couldn't have got another I, I bet there was I bet there was I bet there was young people that were going down the aisles kneeling and why because somebody had the audacity no Somebody had the love to stand up there and tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. And guess what? They appreciated the truth. And the truth did a work. The truth did a work. That work it gives, it, it's called victory. Verse 7. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Boy, that is the definition of Christ-like love, isn't it? Love in action. How's your love shaping up this morning? How's your love shaping up? You say, preacher, you got this down? Nope. Man, if I only get to preach the things that I got 100% right, you just lost your pastor. Now, I'm not bragging on that, though. Because, yes, there's plenty of room for improvement. But we've got to face it. We have to face it, not hide from it. And then we can have what God wants us to have. And lastly, and I'm going to be done, believe it or not. Love is eternal. Love is eternal. The Corinthians were spiritual babies. That church was filled full of problems. I know it's hard to believe a church that has problems. Corinthian church had many problems. And they were acting like babies. They were spiritual babies. They were striving against one another. They wanted, they wanted these gifts so that they could exalt themselves in the congregation. Look how spiritual. Verse 8 says, love 
love <laughs> never faileth. Never faileth. All the other gifts are going to go away. Oh, they're all going to go away. Verse 8, it tells us, <clears throat> but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And here's why. Here's why. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't have a Bible in front of them. You understand that these special gifts of the Spirit were the credentials of the apostles. They were the very things that people, they couldn't deny what was happening. And so when the apostles were able to say, thus saith the Lord, people believed them. But you know something? That was only for a period of time. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. They didn't have the whole picture. Verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And that which is perfect, if you study it, you'll find out that which is perfect was the perfect word of God. And so, beloved, there doesn't need to... I don't need to have any other revelation. I've got everything God wants me to know. By the way, I don't have to have somebody in tongues read this to me because I know how to read English. And other people in other countries know how to read their language. It's not necessary anymore. We don't have to have these signs because we have the Word. And by the way, God, the Bible says, has exalted this Word above His own name. That's how sacred this is. On Judgment Day, Christian, are you wondering about what God's going to do to judge? Here it is. We're going to be a judge according to this book. That's what we're going to be judged. We need to understand that. It's time. It's time, Christians, for us to get to the place where we realize that Verse 13 is where it's got to conclude in our life and in the life of every church. Now abideth faith. You'd think faith would be the greatest thing. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently search him or trust him. And you know something? You'd think faith would be the greatest. Nope. Nope. Faith Hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is not faith or hope. It's charity. It's how you and I are going to love one another. It's how you and I are going to go outside these walls and love some lost person. It's how you and I are going to pray. Oh, God, help me to love like you want me to love. God, help me to have charity in my life. Help me to, help me to not 
have all these things that, that you say that I shouldn't have, and many of those I see that I have, and God, I confess them to you. They're nothing but sin. i got to quit making excuses for sin. If I have charity, that's exactly what I'll do. No more excuses. I'm going to get right. Father in heaven, this morning, I thank you for this powerful chapter. I wish I could stand here and say I have it perfectly settled. But Heavenly Father, the truth of the matter is every time I read this, and every time I study it, I find myself coming up short in areas. And though I know that, Father, we're not perfect and won't be until we're with you, yet at the same time, Lord, I know that if I should fail in one of these or more, I need to get on my face and say, Oh, God, have mercy on me and forgive me. Forgive me and I repent of this and God help me to be the kind of lover that I need to be. I pray for people that I love, that I have had the privilege, Lord, to pastor. Oh God, I pray for them this morning. That they won't just walk blindly away from this. Or that they won't just throw up their hands on the inside and say, what's the use? I can't be this anyway. Oh God, I pray that each one of us would see ourselves in need. And that we do something about it. Give up the grudges. Give up the attitudes. Give it up. Forgive. And let's love Thank you for listening to our sermons from Elmwood Baptist Church. If you like our ministry and want to know more, check out our website at www.elmwoodbaptist.org. Or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we continue to study God's Word and grow in His grace. God bless you, my friends.